Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to the Get Better Wellness Radio Show. I'm your host, Erin Chamerlick, the Real Food Revivalist, coming to you live from Chicago. We're drowning. It's uh, floods, and we have hundreds of roads up here in northern Illinois that are impassable. And because we have a lot of lakes in my community, it's quite the mess. But I'm thankful and grateful that um, I'm not experiencing that in my neighborhood. But this morning, we're talking to somebody who's out in the sunshine of California. And um, we are going to um, be interviewing Polly Halstead in just a minute. I just wanted to give um, website information and because I often forget that and people are wondering how to get a hold of my newsletter or comments or linking back to this show. It's getbetterwellness.com, and you can sign up for my newsletter and get over to my podcast there as well. So um, Polly Halstead, you know, has been a Bay Area and California wine country chef for more than 30 years, and her newest book is called Primal Cuisine, Cooking for the Paleo Diet. So this is... Um, a new book that you will want to pick up if you love eating delicious food that will heal your body and your mind. And Polly's website is theprimalcuisine.com. Welcome, Polly. Hi. Uh, how are you today? Doing well. It's, you know, 10 o'clock here, so I know we got you going a little early today out west. So thank you for coming on, and um, hopefully you'll bring sunshine through the uh, phone waves here. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> it looks like the rest of the country can need a little, use a little sunshine. Yep. <laughs> so your book, um, it came out in November of 2012. Is that correct? Yeah, it came out right before Thanksgiving. Actually, it came out a little early. I thought it was going to come out in 2013, but, wow, it was a nice surprise. There you go. And um, it's been, you know, selling very well since its release, and it's not just a cookbook. There's lots of learning, and it's very well written so that you can understand why people are actually getting well when they get off the standard American diet that's loaded with grains processed food, chemicals, toxins, dyes. And so if you want the combo book that gives you the overview about the food, what's happened to our food supply, the types of foods we need to eat and get back to, um, along with some gorgeous you know, photos, delicious recipes, I would encourage the Primal Cuisine. And you don't have to be a chef of 30 years <laughs> to make these recipes. So, Polly, I um, lived in the Bay Area myself for a brief time, and I tried to make it to every uh, restaurant and visit the wineries because they're just so beautiful. And you had um, a place out there. Tell us about that. Um, well, uh, actually, I was in, in the Bay Area in Berkeley and San Francisco for many years, and I had my first restaurant, Polly's Cafe, in San Francisco in 1975. 
but in 1980, I moved to the Napa Valley, and very shortly after, I, I started my catering company, the best of everything, and so I worked at all the wineries, private homes, uh, ranches, did a lot of weddings. So I have a very strong uh, California wine country culinary background, and um, that's what I wanted to show in the book. Uh, for anyone who is going to be changing their diet and getting healthier, uh, I just wanted the food to be really bright, really flavorful, but also the recipes easy to uh, easy to handle. So it's a very user user friendly cookbook. It is, and um, the. Uh, introduction of the book was written by Nora Gagoutis, who is the author of Primal Body, Primal Mind. And I noticed your recommended book list mirrors mine that we, you know, cut our teeth on some of the same books getting over to this lifestyle. And that yeah. is an important book to read. Um, so can you kind of take us back? You know, you were... Uh, you know, in Napa doing your thing with your catering company and cooking at wineries and whatnot. And what happened from there to now? Because there was, you know, a transition in your own cooking style as well as your health. So we'd kind of like to hear, you know, that story, and you can fold it all together into one if you like. Okay, I'll do my best. Well, first of all, uh, from much of my life, uh, I suffered from a variety of uh, various symptoms. I didn't feel very uh, well. Um, started out being sort of bulimic, anorexic in my teens, had skin problems. Uh, that dovetailed into a lot of hormonal issues, autoimmune disorders, and whatnot during, during my life. My mother um, had schizophrenia and I always wanted to find out the reason for that. I had a lot of depression that uh, followed me during my lifetime, and as you know, that can be very debilitating. Um, and I just didn't have uh, really good energy. I was highly uh, overstressed and, um, yeah, tired a lot. So, you know, my health wasn't optimum. I retired from catering in about 2003 and wound up in Hood River, Oregon, studying with a spiritual teacher. And Hood River is an hour from Portland. Um, I had been uh, always wondering what caused my mother's schizophrenia. And while I was in Oregon, I read the book The Ultramind Solution by Dr. Mark Hyman. And he was talking about how gluten, sugar, other toxins that we take in. You know, our, our food supply is now full of toxins. And uh, these things can create a leaky gut, and the toxins go through uh, our intestines into our blood stream and then cross the blood-brain barrier, causing a variety of mental disorders. Well, that book really uh, was a wake-up call for me. And I started to write my first cookbook, uh, which was gluten-free and sugar-free and free of uh, all the toxins, uh, as, as many as I could think of. I, I had just started um, writing that book, and someone handed me Primal Body, Primal Mind, written by Nora Gagatis. Now, Nora lives in Portland, and uh, 
she had had a little couple pages at the back of her book where she describes this genetic disorder, pyroluria. It's a vitamin B6 uh, and zinc deficiency, and it lists about 30 symptoms, uh, you know, for that genetic disorder. Well, I had over 20 of those symptoms. One of the uh, one of uh, well, schizophrenia is caused by uh, one of the causes of, of the, this disorder. Anyway, I, call, I called her up. I said, you know, I have, I have to come see you. My mom had schizophrenia. I have a lot of these symptoms. So I went to see Nora, and I became her client. And we did a lot of uh, testing um, for the pyroluria. I did have the genetic disorder. So she put me on vitamin B6 and zinc. I had low vitamin D3 levels. I was hypoglycemic, all these things. I was kind of a mess. Anyway, I started on the paleo diet, a little gingerly. I just didn't jump in with both feet, but I got off sugars and grains uh, right away. I had about three months of kind of withdrawal. I think it was withdrawal from gluten mostly. But... At about the three-month marker, my depression uh, listed. It has never returned. Lost about 12 pounds. My hypoglycemia self-corrected. My energy came back. I mean, it was a miracle. And I'm, I was in my 60s already. So to be able to change your health, even at, at this late date in life, uh, is is just amazing. It just worked. Yeah, that's just a, a really wonderful testimony, and I do like that you shared, you know, that you were in your 60s when all this good stuff happened, and, you know, you just kind of get to the point where I don't think I'm supposed to feel this way, and that's right. We're supposed to feel great, have energy, not be on medication, be active, you know, until we're old, 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 and take our last dying breath. But that's not the expectation these days. People expect every creek is like, well, I must be getting older, but uh-uh. You know, you're eating an inflammatory diet probably. So that I love so that true. you got through yeah. that. Well, I, I so think you uh, started... in our culture we're kind of programmed that we're going to feel terrible as we get older. I have to say now it's the reverse. I feel better now than I did when I was in my 20s. <laughs> yeah, and it's that. called anti-aging, and people are doing it. You know, I have a friend who her mother lives in another, you know, part of the state, so they don't see each other very often, but both of them are on a real food paleo-type diet. And my friend said, when I saw my mother, I'm like, Mom, you know, you're anti, you're reverse aging. You look younger every time I see you. And that's what it's about. That's what we want. We don't want to be, you know, tied to a chair or a bed. And, you know, your body is supposed to heal itself. But there's something we have to do. We have some responsibilities. And that's what we want to dive into that a little bit more and talk about, you know, some recipes and cooking because I know plenty of people, just as you do, that don't even know the way to their kitchen anymore. It's just um, totally, you know, a different culture these days. So, so you let go of, you know, a sugar addiction. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, you know, you were hypoglycemic. So how was yeah. that working in your life? Well, uh, I was severely hypoglycemic all my life. I, I called it low blood sugar. But, you know, when you are hypoglycemic, you have to have some kind of 
carbohydrate every few hours to keep your blood sugar up. If you don't, uh, you get nervous, sweaty, can't think straight, trembly, cranky. You know, I I know my daughter's had this too, and it kind of runs in the family. Hypoglycemia can run in families. Uh, But at any rate... um, so Nora put me on, uh, well, the primal diet is a high, pretty much a high-fat diet, believe it or not. So I cut the carbs, increased my protein and uh, and good fat um, intake, which cut my cravings for the uh, sugars and, uh, and sweets and carbs. And um, it was the high fat that helped me get get over the the hump of the hypoglycemia and that's really hard for people to get because you know in our culture there's there's still this uh, low fat uh thing that's hap- happening and um I just have to say that uh good nutritious fats from egg yolks, grass-fed butter, olive oil, avocados, coconut oil and the fats from exclusively grass-fed meat and pastured poultry, because uh, we'll talk about that, um, mm-hmm. really help nur- nourish you and and help get over the sugar cravings. Right, and um, so people who are new to this story may um, think, well, you're a culinary chef, you know more butter, more cream, but what's it doing to your cholesterol and and your weight and all that. But, you know, that's the thing. You have to get into it and learn this for yourself because it is not, you know, what the talking heads are to sell, telling us. It's not the food pyramid, which is based on uh, the dollar bill. You have to get down to the science, read and educate yourself, which is what you did but, you know, it was really, you got to that point because of the way you felt, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, actually, you know, when I started the paleo diet, uh, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I didn't know, uh, you know, what kind of results uh, I would be uh, I would be having. I, I knew that I wanted to cure my hypoglycemia. I knew that I wanted to uh, be less depressed and and that, but I didn't know how long it would take or uh or whatever but incrementally uh i I began noticing certain improvements in the way I felt uh, it, and you you begin to start paying attention to your body and what it uh what it tells you and um all I can say is i I just noticed certain things uh improvements all the way along, and I didn't have a whole lot of expectation. I didn't have to lose a lot of weight, but for a while I had been on a fairly high vegetarian diet with a lot of grains, so uh, I had gained some weight there, but it it just fell right off um, but just by changing my diet. So a lot of people would be surprised to hear that on a vegetarian diet you gained weight because... Um, that's what that high-carb diet does. It's The body can't handle all of that as it's turned into sugar, and so it stores it as fat. So that is why America is overweight and sick. It's because we were doing what we thought was right. We were following the flawed food pyramid. So when you say paleo-primo, can you give us a soundbite uh, definition, and then we'll dive in a little bit deeper. 
Okay. Uh, well, as, as human beings, you know, um, like Homo sapien, uh, we evolved over, say, uh, over a two million year period, and and during uh, that time, we uh, first sca- uh, scavenged our food, so we would find, you know, dead meat, roadkills, or whatever. That sounds really uh, unappetizing, but. Along about the 70,000-year marker, we became hunter-gatherers, and hunting became our primary source of protein. So we hunted wild meat and wild fish. And to supplement that, we gathered some plants, ate some nuts, seeds, and berries that we could find. But primarily, our diet was protein and uh, the good amount of of dietary fat that came from those animals and pretty much we ate the fattiest parts first because the fat meant nourishment and it meant survival so we ate the brains the heart the kidneys uh we cracked the bone marrow ate that and um all of that fat was very high in omega-3 fatty acids and that is the definitive marker of the paleo diet and why we became the human beings we are today with our large brains and our capacity uh, for speech. The other primates, um, their brains are composed of omega-6 fatty acids, but ours are omega-3. And it's very important that we still get those omega-3s in optimum ranges. uh, And right now in the United States, we do not. Yeah, the omega-3, key. You know, and you don't even have to go back thousands of years to say that we were eating this type of diet, you know, not even 100, 200 years ago. So because we had farms and people ate what was growing and they, you know, used their animals for meat, and like you said, they used the whole animal If it was um, a pig, you know, it was raised right. It wasn't fed, you know, garbage, and it was, you know, uh, rooting around and and getting a variety diet. And so the fat, um, you know, lard is actually healthy and has omega-3s. And the same with the cows as they're raised naturally the way um, they're intended and they're grazing 100% of their life, you know, this is the healthy diet for humans. So we um, have strayed very far from that in a short amount of time, even 50 to, you know, 75 years. Everything has changed. We're at that point on this planet, uh, you know, this, you know, span of a few generations. Everything has changed. And we're so focused on ourselves, we don't realize, you know, we don't realize that that's what's happened. So, um the meat, oh, where do we get this type of meat? Not at the corner grocery store. Right. Um, well, first of all, after World War II, we had a glut of grain. So uh, everybody tried to figure out what are we going to do with these grains. So they made uh, cooking oils out of the grains. But they also started feeding the grains to uh, cattle uh, to, uh, to fatten them up. But what happens is that then the the meat and fat profile in the commercially raised animals changes to omega-6 fatty acids. So 
that alone uh, changes, uh, you know, the meat profile away from omega-3s. When looking for your uh, meat now, make sure it's 100% grass-fed because that will retain the omega-3 fatty acids. And you can go on a number of websites, uh, the Eat Wild website, uh, U.S. Wellness Meat, um, the American Grass-Fed Association. They all have sources um, in your state uh, for, uh, you know, these products. You can go to your farmer's market. Many stores now are carrying grass-fed meat. Uh, uh, we have three stores right here in Nevada City that carry grass-fed meat. We have producers in our area. Um, Whole Foods is carrying grass-fed meat. Trader Joe's has grass-fed uh, ground beef. They also have in, imported lamb that's grass-fed. So you're going to start seeing it showing up in just a lot of your mainstream stores. But ask for it. Ask, ask your butcher at Safeway in Rayleigh's. That's what you want because there's lots of producers now. Yeah, it just so varies across the country that I think um, you have more access to real food than, you know, in my area, I'm a little bit in the sticks, so I drive, you know, half hour to a decent grocery store, and I don't even go, you know, to the world of Trader Joe's and Whole Foods, you know, except maybe once a month or so because of the distance. But I do buy a lot online, and that's something anybody can do. And you mentioned Eat Wild um, to find out if there's places near you. And U.S. Wellness meets ships and, you know, farmer's markets if you're fortunate. Um, I also access Beyond Organic, which people can get to from my website, um, getbetterwellness.com, because they're 100% grass-fed. So if you're seeing grass-fed in the store, try and determine if it's 100% because sometimes um, they're cutting the corners and they, you know, graze the animals, but then in the last, you know, weeks, months, um, they're finishing them on corn to fatten them up. So look for 100%, you know, grass-fed. Yeah, and there should be a sticker now. They're they're starting to uh, make sure that, uh, you know, the label uh, is correct on, on those products. And sometimes if you know a rancher or whatever that raises his cattle that uh, that way, you, you can uh, split a, a cow or a pig or a sheep uh, with someone. You know, they have places where they process it for you, and, and then you can put that in your freezer. So a lot of people are, are doing that as well. You just have to locate um, a farmer or a rancher that is raising his animals this way. So the objection, I can't afford this meat <laughs> or this food. Um, what are some of the things that come to mind when people say that to you? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, first of all, <laughs> there's no food that is more expensive than prepackaged food that is actually nothing in a box. It has no nutrients. It's probably made from genetically modified uh, material and uh, really offers you uh, no nutrition. So to me, that is is the most expensive because it's just a total waste of money. Uh, the other thing is, um, in in my book, and this is what Nora talked about in her book, 
we do not need the big amounts of protein that we normally think we do, 45 to 75 grams of, of pure protein a day, and that's about 25 grams per meal, um, <clears throat> will will be sufficient protein. So I've adjusted the recipes in my cookbook to reflect this. So we only need about three ounces of pure protein uh, pure meal. And that doesn't have to be meat at every meal. It could be some eggs, nuts, avocado, you know. uh, And there's a chart in my cookbook that shows you the number of grams of protein per ounce of whatever food it is. So it's kind of easy to determine, you know, uh, how you can spread that out uh, through the day. Uh, The grass-fed meat is more expensive, but we only have it once or twice a week, and we only have a few ounces of it. So uh, this is not the caveman diet. This is not the Atkins diet with big slabs of meat. And uh, so I I think that's a difference in understanding uh, the paleo diet and the way I've written my cookbook. I I haven't compared my recipes or amounts of protein with everyone else's, but I really try to follow uh, Nora's uh, recommendations in her book about um, the amount of protein that we need. And it's it's not that much. Right, I agree. And the problem with the standard American diet, you're eating a bagel in the morning. All that does is jack your sugar up and drop you like a rock. So you have to feed the machine two hours later. You're looking for the next bagel or, you know, donut or candy on somebody's desk. And that's the blood sugar roller coaster that causes you to overeat. So when you switch to this uh, way of eating of, you know, protein in moderate amounts, fat, high fat um, amounts, and loads of vegetables, you're not that hungry, so you overall eat less. And if you can't really even afford that, then, you know, if you get off the standard American diet, you can do intermittent fasting and even skip, you know, one of the meals and just eat two meals. So I I hear of people doing things like that, and it has phenomenal health benefits as well as, you know, studies are showing we live longer. So... What it is, you know, let's just call it out. It's an excuse, but it's because people don't know. You need to start walking down the path and learning instead of just rejecting it because you can't imagine living without bread. You know, tell us what's, what is that? What's that happening that we think we can't live without bread? Well, uh, this was my experience, uh, you know, trying to get off sugar. All of my sugar came in a little... Uh, wheat vehicle <laughs> with either a cookie, a scone, a piece of cake, you know. And so I think the major part of the withdrawal that I went through for three months was a, a withdrawal from wheat, which has a, a gluteomorphine in it. It is very addictive. And I don't know whether you've read that book, Wheat Belly, <laughs> yet or not, but... Um, Oh yeah, the doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody is reading it now. It's really a, a revelation that book. But you know, it's um, that morphine-like substance in the wheat that keeps us going back to it several times a day. So that, in combination with the addiction of sugar, and we are on a highly addictive um, diet, a yo-yo that just keeps us going back for more. Yeah, the um, 
you know, the thing to know whether you remember the word gluteomorphin or not is that wheat is addictive, sugar is addictive. Physically in the brain, it's your addiction talking when you think, I can't live without or I must have that little piece of candy every day. You're an addict. You know, I've seen people come off of, you know, cocaine and alcohol easier than sugar. And, um, you know, it's with the wheat, it's... Um, you know, the structure is that it acts like, um, you know, morphine, like you say, or opioid in our brain. And, you know, there's a connection here that we're supposed to be breaking our food down, absorbing amino acids from proteins. And um, that's not been happening. So, you know, I know because you said you have autoimmune disease, you know a lot about those conditions and leaky gut and protein from wheat. So can you kind of talk a little bit about that so people can understand what a bad dude wheat really is? Well, uh, you know, when I was in my 50s, I came down with an autoimmune disorder, Epstein-Barr. And at the same time, um, you know, I was diagnosed with a leaky gut. At, At that time, even though I had a really good doctor, we didn't connect it to, uh, you know, anything that I was eating, you know, that could have been uh, ca- causing all all of that. And um, so even at that time, you know, the most highly trained uh, neuroscientist that I went to had not made the connection between uh, the diet, the wheat, and the sugar, and the leaky gut, and and the autoimmune disorder. Isn't that something? Yeah, and that, you know, people, like, you're a chef. You're not supposed to, you know, understand gluteomorphin, I suppose, in your chef training. That's not what you talked about. But yet, you were getting this information, but you were motivated. You were sick, and you weren't getting, you know, the answers that would help you. So how yeah. are they treating your Epstein-Barr and leaky gut then? Oh, well, uh, they weren't pretty much. Uh, you know, when you have the Epstein-Barr virus, they put you on this drug Aclovir, which is the same uh, one of the drugs that they give to uh, people, uh, AIDS patients, and it's supposed to keep the virus from replicating. However, this drug is highly... Toxic. I could only take it for a few months, uh, you know, because I, the the mm. drug made me so ill. And finally, I, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I feel really sorry for the people who have to take some of those, those medications. Um, actually, uh, the autoimmune disorder sort of self-corrected in about a year, at least. I didn't have it to the extent that I had for a while. I don't know. Maybe my immune system repaired itself a little bit. Uh, But this is the one thing I I do want to say, and I know you know a lot about this too. Our gut is our immune system. And so when I went on the paleo diet, I think years of leaky gut, gut dysbiosis, uh, pathogenic bacteria, all of that self-corrected in a few months. And it has continued to improve. So when we change uh, our diet to eating organic food, grass-fed meat, a higher-fat diet, our 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 gut will change. And, and also, you know, taking some really good probiotics will help. Um, 
I read that book recently or last year, uh, Gut and Psychology Syndrome, where she has mm-hmm. a uh, Dr. McBride has a protocol for healing the gut. I highly recommend doing that if you're having uh, gut issues. Um, so uh, healing the gut is is prime, uh, I think, for us. Yeah, because a lot of people are getting the diagnosis that they don't tolerate gluten, but they're not getting the real food information, and they're going to the store and buying gluten-free brownie mix, gluten-free crackers and cookies, and gluten-free pizzas. And what's the deal with that? What do you think about those um, packaged gluten-free foods? Well, I'll tell you, they are still processed foods, Many of them are have genetically modified ingredients. They're just as bad as any other uh, product uh, out there, uh, prepackaged food product. I am really on the bandwagon about this, and I have two websites. It's and one is my just Polly Halstead website. The other is, I mean, my uh, Facebook page, and the other one is the Primal Cuisine Facebook page. But what I do, you know. Uh, because on my feed, a lot of times that these gluten-free websites will post things, oh, this product, that product. What I do is I copy and paste the the ingredients in, in that product, and I say, do That's not <laughs> buy these ingredients. <laughs> make your own at home. <laughs> right, because we can make things that will scratch that itch you might have using almond flour, coconut flour, and nut flour instead of processed other kind of, you know, flowers, because it takes a lot of processed grains to come up with these things, and you end up with a product that, besides being toxic and full of genetically modified ingredients, it's going to wreck your blood sugar. And so people, initially, they lose weight. They lose weight initially, but then they stall or start gaining again because they're filling up on processed food. It just happens to not have wheat in it. We we didn't ever define gluten. Can you um, tell people what is it, where is it found, so they can avoid it? <laughs> okay. Well, um, a couple of decades ago, uh, a scientist decided to create a new strain of wheat that would grow faster and, um, you know, sort of stave off world hunger since it was, you know, one of the crops where, you know, that people all over the world are using. So uh, he genetically modified the wheat, and in that process uh, it contained more gluten. Gluten is sort of the elastic protein that makes bread rise. So all of a sudden we have this super glutenized wheat uh, that is now in everything. In Europe uh, uh, they they don't have this wheat over there. Even though it has some gluten, it's not the high-gluten wheat that we have in the United States. And if you follow the rise of brain problems, uh, autoimmune disorders, everything that's been on the rise, autism in the last couple of decades, it follows the introduction of this hybridized wheat. Interesting. Yeah, and... and we're not getting that information at the basic level that we're getting drugs and we're told, you know, our mood issues, uh, you know, autism, things like that, that food can't help that. (laughs) When it absolutely does help that and food is a huge, huge part. 
So it, you know, children with autism often have that leaky gut. So there often is food sensitivities to gluten and, um, you know, the casein and. And so tell us when you decided you were getting off of sugar. I think you said you phased in, you know, over three months. Um, did you do wheat and sugar at the same time, or what did you do? Uh, well, I was one of these uh, uh, people in denial. I, I did not think uh, I was allergic uh, or had gluten sensitivity. So um, I eliminated most grains, but I thought if I had uh, the the bread made from sprouted wheat, uh, that, that that would be okay. So I was still eating, you know, the, uh, some sprouted wheat bread several times a week. I was off all the other grains, and I did. I, ha- I had marked, in, you know, improvement right away in, uh, you know, the depression, like I said, the hypoglycemia and everything. But last year, I started uh, breaking out in these rashes on my legs and I thought oh my goodness you know what could that be I'm I'm eating as clean as I've ever ate in my entire life I didn't want to think it was still the uh the maybe the gluten in the sprouted wheat bread I mean organic sprouted wheat bread I mean how good mm-hmm. is that so <laughs> I decided to do what Nora mentions in her book and I did put this in my uh cookbook as well I had the Intero lab test for um, food sensitivities. And uh, when I got the test back, it showed I was gluten intolerant, casein intolerant, soy, and egg. Egg? I went, oh, my goodness, it can't be egg. No, not eggs. (laughs) So then I realized that I had to go 100% gluten-free. Now, this is the other thing. Uh, there is another lab that does testing for other foods that your body may mistake for gluten. So if you're one of these poor people who've gone off gluten, you've gone off casein uh, and whatnot, and you're still having some symptoms, uh, it's necessary to get this test. There's, I think, 24 other foods. A lot of them are the grains we switch to, When we get off gluten, like quinoa, you know, rice, all those non-gluten grains, well, you can still be reacting to those. So I had that test. It's a blood test, and you have to get it through either your doctor or your nutritionist. And it showed I was most cross-reactive with egg. Darn it. Mm. Uh, But... You know what? It's really good to just cut to the chase and uh, find out these mm-hmm. are state-of-the-art tests. They're not that expensive. They're around 200 or $250 each. And why go from doctor to doctor with all these symptoms and then take the pills that they prescribe when you can find out which foods to eliminate? Yeah. And in Tarot Lab, you don't need a doctor. You can do that one on your own at Intero right. Lab, E-N-T-E-R-O-L-A-B.com. And there's a variety of panels, but you can also talk to their customer service people to help you figure out which ones um, to start with. But it's a stool test, and I see you know, people asking me, well, they're doing workplace screening for gluten sensitivity. I'm like, that's not going to do you anything because those types of tests are wrong more than they're right, and they lead people to believe that they don't have a problem with gluten and that they can happily eat it, which is not true. So 
I'm like you. I only trust Enterolab and Cyrex Lab, C-Y-R-E-X, um, to really give good information at this point because it's newer and it's more accurate. Um, so when you know you were in denial and uh, you didn't think you had any problems, then you know I guess Nora was the one that said, "Let's get tested," and that that really helps. I'm sure seeing it in black and white, like maybe you don't think so, but these tests, these are premier, and they say you are. <laughs> You know, there's nothing like empirical data staring you in the face. <laughs> yeah. So then hopefully you decided to go off these things. Did you have um, withdrawal symptoms when you went no, off of in, gluten? I, I honestly didn't because at that time last spring, I really was off uh, m- mostly uh, all all gluten except that little bit of sprouted uh, bread, but apparently, and I think Nora's right, and everybody else I have read, you have to be off at one hundred percent. It's highly yes, inflammatory. Do. It's highly inflammatory. It can call, cause holes in your gut, and uh, even the smallest amounts can uh, can be damaging. Yeah, and for me, I did have you know full blown withdrawal because the first. Uh, you know, thing, I just flipped the switch overnight. I'm like, I'm sick, I want to get well, I'm doing this 100%, and I went from a horrible diet to this. And, you know, first you think, I have the flu, what luck, I start eating well, and all of a sudden I have the flu, but it's just your body detoxing and adjusting to real food, which, you know, is terrible that you can have these withdrawal symptoms as if you were getting off of alcohol or drugs, but it does, you know, for some people like me, you know, it can alter your mood, digestion. And the thing you don't want to do is say, this diet doesn't work for me. You know, that this is the diet for humans. This is a lifestyle change, not a short-term thing to lose weight or fix something. But this is the way we're supposed to eat, to be healthy, well, have energy, get off our drugs. And so if it doesn't work for you, that's just a sign that you're still in the detox phase and um, getting off your addictions and just keep pushing through because you will, in about even five to seven days, see enough improvement um, and a reduction in your cravings that it'll motivate you. So we have, you know, just um, maybe, you know, 10, 15 minutes, and I wanted to talk a little bit about your recipes. So you have a section called a good breakfast and you say everyone needs a high energy breakfast of protein, good fats, um, you know, to start the day and carry you to lunchtime, which most people can't relate to that. Eating in the morning is foreign to them and then not eating until lunchtime. So let's talk about some ideas from your book about um you know, high energy breakfast. So what what do you typically eat or what do you typically recommend? Well, uh, since I'm off eggs uh, these days, that's that's a, a little bit of a problem. Uh, one of my favorite breakfasts is just to have bacon, <laughs> and, we, and we have a really good um, uh, ranch here in California, Yeno Seco. It's by Chico, and they raise uh, totally organic uh, pigs, uh, and they are humanely raised. They get to run around. The bacon and uh, pork products are delicious. So if you're going to eat bacon, uh, make sure it is organic because it's uh, 
high fat, and as you know, uh, toxins remain in fat tissue. But at any rate, uh, I have a lot of smoothie recipes in the breakfast section. I have some wonderful frittata. Like if you have leftover uh, veggies from dinner, you can uh, uh, make yourself a wonderful frittata with vegetables or an omelet or or poached eggs with hollandaise to add a little extra luxury and fat. Because the one thing uh, that's going to carry you through, uh, and this is important for children too, to get enough fat in the morning with the protein. That way you're not going to get hungry at 11 o'clock and have that hypoglycemic yo-yo. I just remember when I was in high school, I wouldn't eat enough protein for breakfast, or maybe I wasn't even hungry at all. By 11 o'clock, I was about ready to faint, and I couldn't think straight. So this is what's Mm -hmm. happening to our children now uh, when they go to school. Uh, They're on a high-carb diet, high-sugar juices, you know, Pop-Tarts, you know, sugar cereals, and and by 11 o'clock, they can't think. And I, I honestly think um, that's why our our uh, children's grades are plummeting and they're having attention deficit problems in school. They have to have that protein and, and fat in the morning. Yeah, so this morning I had my eggs and cooked them in grass-fed butter from Kerrygold with broccoli and asparagus. And I tried to have a bunch of herbs on there. And then goat cheese, and oh my gosh, um, it was delicious. So how do you feel about cheese from goats and cows, or dairy in general, I guess? um, As as we know, uh, Paleolithic man did not uh, eat any dairy because, you know, there was not animal husbandry at that time. But we have uh, been eating milk products and cheese now, uh, cheeses, for about, 10,000 years. Some of us have acclimated to the cow's casein and some of us have not. Um, So when I found out I I was having a problem with casein, I switched over to sheep and goat's milk products, which I seem to be able to tolerate better. So I did leave some dairy in the cookbook. uh, But like I said, be tested. Make sure you don't have any casein problems. But you know, cheeses are a really good source of protein and fats as well. I love cheeses, so I love goat cheese, and we buy man- Manchego sheep's milk cheese. So there's a lot of cheese options in the book. And if you can't have casein at all, then there's uh, coconut milk or almond milk or, uh, you know, other nut milks that, that you can use as substitutes. Yeah, and in your book, you talk about the uh, milk devil casein, and you state that there's two forms of casein, and most people don't realize that there's A1 or A2, and you said that all milk was once A2 until there was a genetic mutation. So unfortunately, in the United States, all of the milk, you know, besides being killed with pasteurization and homogenization. It's coming from the wrong kind of cow with the genetic mutation. And so that's why 70-plus percent of people don't tolerate dairy. You know, maybe you have a lactose intolerance, and that's a completely different thing. But if you have an intolerance to casein, it's probably um, the, that it's not the A2 anymore, that it's the A1. I might have said that backwards. But anyway, um, A1 is the bad stuff that we have 
but in other countries they have uh, A2 casein and people don't have the sensitivity. So um, I'll just point you back again to the Beyond Organic on my website because that's the only place I know that is shipping um, this A2 you know, hypoallergenic casein um, as 100% grass-fed organic uh, cultured, and it's almost like a yogurt as well as raw cheeses. So if you tolerate the sheep and the goat, you know, this is the same type of thing from my understanding. Do you have um, right. any thoughts about that? Would you be willing to go if you could get an A2 cow, or is it just that it's just not easy to find for one thing? Well, I I don't know. I haven't re- really researched that. I understand there's a guy in our area uh, who has an, an A2 cow. He sells as his raw milk in our area, which you know there's a big flap now about raw milk in the United States. Um, but uh, I think a really good book to read is uh, that book, The uh, Milk Devil, where, where he talks about the differences in in the cows uh, in the United States. And in Europe, yeah. and the yeah. World Health Organization has uh, tracked the diseases, uh, especially brain diseases, uh, you know, in the countries that now have the A A one milk, and that would be the United States. So, right, it's it's terrible. Milk. I you know, all that milk mustache stuff. You're better off if the only thing you're getting is pasteurized A one milk. Um, then I agree. Don't you don't need that? Well, give right. me one um, quick recipe. Let's say for a snack, or a, you're you're having a party and you're not the major, you know, queen of the kitchen. What kind of quick um, snacks can you recommend, or do you just want to pull a recipe and share it with us? Oh, uh, um, actually, I don't even have a book in my house right now because I just sold them all. <laughs> but oh, I have one. <laughs> Like a party oh, nut mix is the one I was looking at making. Party nut mix, yeah, that's wonderful. It's real easy, uh, and uh, and the too. But my favorite uh, uh, dip recipe is the magical muhamara, uh, which I call the thinking man's hummus. It's made from ground walnuts instead of garbanzo beans, and uh, roasted red peppers and garlic and lemon and cumin and all my sort of favorite Middle Eastern flavors. And you can use that dip with vegetables or a a gluten-free cracker or um, you can put it on uh, grilled meat or fish or chicken. It's just fantastic, and it's real easy. Yeah, I slapped that one, too. Can I share that one with people as our our guest for listening to the podcast? Yeah, okay, so I'm gonna uh, I used to uh, make that as a food product in the Napa Valley. We used to sell that, and boy, it was a really hot seller. So that is my favorite number one dip in the whole wide world. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds good with you know some crackers made from seeds or almond flour or something. Um, yeah. How how big is soups in your life? Do you make a lot of soup? Well, interestingly enough, we just had uh, the. Uh, green curry soup last night. Uh, I usually roast uh, an organic chicken uh, once a week, and then I make a very rich chicken broth. And then I use it to make uh, cook some vegetables in. And last night I made green curry chowder and put some chicken in it. Um, so soups 
uh, are a very big part of uh, our, especially when they're made with uh, homemade bone broth uh, made from your pastured chickens or grass-fed beef bones because there's a lot of minerals in those bones um nutrients and the uh and then the fats are also included in the broth so they're very very nutritious and very good for healing uh, the gut you can just have a cup of the bone broth several times a day it's very nourishing and it's really good for children yeah i do that too as um often as i have bones in the house and then i just um you know, freeze it and take out, you know, some for the week and just have like a mug of it too. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm in my 50s. I need my bones to be strong and I need absorbable form of minerals and I can't think of a better way. And then for my family who probably wouldn't do that, then I can just make a soup and, you know, do it that way. Exactly. So you it's have like a hearty vegetable. Take one of those, uh, those sort of uh, pharmaceutical right. pills for your bones. Right, which actually damages your bones. Um, So check out the the book for hearty vegetable soup or spicy heirloom heirloom tomato soup, um, Brazilian shrimp soup. And I'm hoping I'm making everybody hungry. So they'll go right now and order your cookbook. So why don't you tell us the name of your book and where people can find it. Okay, it's Primal Cuisine. Cooking for the Paleo Diet. Uh, it's a, at a very good price on the Barnes & Noble website. Uh, you can also go to the Inner Traditions Baron Company website. Uh, they've got other great books, including books on nutrition um, from Healing Arts Press. It, the book is also available on Amazon, and beginning in May, it will be in 54 Costco stores nationwide. Now, is that going mainstream or what? Oh, that's awesome. Hello, family. Get me that for Mother's Day, because I have a, uh, a copy you gave me, which is a PDF, so I need the real thing, because I got papers everywhere with notes on it, and and so I want the real the real deal, but I made um, chicken oh, well, scallopini. Listen, I want to send you an autographed <laughs> copy, so just shoot me your address. Woohoo! And uh, All I'll right. just order the, a case, and I'll, 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 send, I'll send you your own copy. Good. <laughs> Thank you. And I, yeah, I was telling you, I just made your chicken scallopini with lemon caper sauce. Um, well, I didn't have capers, so I guess it was called lemon sauce. But it was still good. You know, if you don't have every ingredient, just, you know, it, real food is so forgiving. It's not like making exactly. brownies or something where it has to be precise. I, I am an improvis- improvisational cook. That's how I learned to cook, and I use whatever's around. You could throw olives in there if you wanted or whatever. But, yeah, don't let the fact that you don't have one ingredient stop you. <laughs> Exactly. So anyway, thank you, Polly. It's been a lot of fun and educational as well as now I'm hungry. I'm going to go find some real food. But uh, check out her book, Primal (laughs) Cuisine. Thanks (laughs) a lot. I really appreciate it. Okay, you have a great day, and I'm sure we'll talk to each other on Facebook. (laughs) We will. We will. I'll talk to you soon, Erin. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, that was Polly Halstead, so pick up her book and try out some of those recipes. But read the beginning part. Don't gloss over that because you need this information to motivate you to stay away from the um, standard American diet that is killing us, making us fat, keeping us on drugs, 
And next year, it's not going to be, you know, the same health care system. So you need to get this in place now so you don't have to be in line waiting for a doctor who, um, you know, doesn't have time to see you anyway. So this is the way we build our immune system, build our health, stay out of the doctor's office, eat real food. You can go on my website, getbetterwellness.com. Click on the bottom uh, tab for uh, Beyond Organic and just try out some of the cultured A2 hypoallergenic casein type <laughs> cow. Um, it's like a drinkable yogurt. There's raw cheese, cheese curds, grass-fed beef, and more. So it's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for listening, and I'll catch you next time.